Nexus PMG welcomes you to the Bigger Than Us podcast, which we as energy geeks lovingly refer to as the BTU. Bigger Than Us is a podcast that focuses on ideas that will shape the future of our planet and ultimately our existence. We will occasionally lean into energy topics because after all, it's the key to our collective survival, but we'll also explore other ideas and topics that we believe will have an impact that is bigger than us. And now, on to today's show. Hello and welcome to the Bigger Than Us podcast. I'm your host, Raj Daniels, and today I'd like to welcome Josh Aviv to the show. Joshua is a certified data scientist and the founder and CEO of SparkCharge. His experience in entrepreneurship and startups spans over six years, and he is a dynamic figure in the clean tech community. Joshua is also the most recent winner of the world's largest pitch competition, 43 North. Joshua holds a BA in economics and a master's degree in information management and data science from Syracuse University. Josh, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Josh, thank you for joining us. Josh, where are you located? Uh, Currently located right now in Somerville, Massachusetts at our uh, Massachusetts headquarters, but we also have all of our manufacturing and facilities in Buffalo, New York as well. And how's the weather up there? Cold. (laughs) Well, I guess it's the right time of year then, isn't it? It is. It is. It's definitely, definitely looking forward to getting to some warm weather, hopefully, uh, in the next coming months. (laughs) So, Josh, I'd like to open the show by asking my guest the following question. If you were asked to share something interesting about yourself, what would it be? Ooh, uh, something interesting about myself. Um, I started this company in college, and basically, when I walked across the stage with my degree, uh, I became a CEO the next day. So, um, it's, it's been an interesting ride going from college student to CEO of a now multi-million dollar company. So a couple of questions. First, congratulations. Second is that what inspired you to start it in college? And perhaps a third question, how does it feel to be self-employed? <laughs> um, so, you know, starting it in college, um, was definitely an interesting, interesting route to take, but it's something that I would recommend any college, uh, student do is start a company. Um, it's going to give you such a leg up on the world and your environment, and you're going to learn so much. For me, I started it uh, when I took an environmental economics class. Uh, the professor there, Peter Wilcoxon, talked about if you want to change the world, solve the problem of infrastructure for electric vehicles. And so um, he said, if you're interested, meet with me after class. And I was the only person to show up that day. And so I remember meeting and talking about electric vehicles and some of the obstacles in which they're going to you know, have to face. And um, really started developing what was the core idea behind Spark Charge, which was solving that problem of infrastructure. You know, they say sometimes in life, showing up is half the battle. That's true. And you get a lot further ahead just being present. And your idea about entrepreneurship in college, I second that wholeheartedly. I mean, I can't put a stronger agreement on that. I tell people all the time that if you want to learn about yourself really quickly, start a business, it'll tell you a lot. And the earlier you are or the younger you are, the more experience you'll get. Even if you end up working for someone later on in life, just your idea to grasp how a business works. Because what I I think happens a lot of times is that people get a job and they have a role within a business, 
but they don't understand the broader ecosystem. So let's say, for example, a person's in marketing, they don't quite understand supply chain, they don't quite understand you know, accounts receivable, they just understand their job. But when you start your own business, you get to learn almost everything right away because you are, you know what they say, head cook, you know, dishwasher, et cetera, et cetera. That's, that's the truth. I mean, you wear many hats in a startup. And I think that's both, you know, a really good thing, you know, learning to do all those roles, but it's also a really good thing learning how you delegate all those roles and how to, you know, once you start growing and scaling, how you take those hats off. So I think, you know, entrepreneurship, starting a business, running a business, um, it's going to teach you more than any job could ever, could ever teach you. Absolutely. And before I move on, just to recommend, there's two books, uh, The E-Myth Revisited and another one called not how, but who, and both essentially have the same message regarding delegation, just like you said. I agree. So you mentioned Spark Charge. Can you give the audience an overview of Spark Charge? And I guess you're the CEO, so that's your role. Absolutely. So <laughs> um, at Spark Charge, we're creating the world's first intelligent, mobile, and on-demand electric vehicle charging infrastructure. And basically what we mean by that is we believe that electric vehicle ownership, the freedom to have their car charged wherever and whenever they want. Um, what we mean by this is that basically with our technology, which is split into two pieces, uh, the Roadie, which is our portable charging station that can charge an electric vehicle at an ultra-fast speed, one mile every 60 seconds, and then our platform, our mobile app, Boost EV, uh, together you're able to create this on-demand network where an EV owner can take their phone out, push a button, and have range delivered to them. The same way that you would order food or order a pizza while sitting on a couch, you can now have your car charged. For those listening who might not be able to visualize, can you describe what the roadie looks like? Yeah, to me, it kind of looks like a rectangular R2-D2, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, the roadie is essentially a portable charging station that is modular um, and plugs into the car. So basically, it's a DC fast charger that you can set on the ground, add you know pieces to it to increase the amount of range going into the car, plug it into the car and push the button. So think of it as a, if you've ever seen a Tesla supercharger, think of it as that, but in a form factor that you can pick up in your hands. And how much does it cost to buy one of those? Uh, it depends on the, it depends on the market. It depends on the, uh, the, the customer itself. But I mean, uh, most people, you know, typically pay, you know, as little as 300 bucks a month to operate and use one. So is it a lease model or do you buy the unit outright, outright? So most people prefer to lease it, but we do allow people to buy the unit outright. And um, it depends on the size of your business and uh, your use case. So it fluctuates quite a bit. And since you mentioned business, can you perhaps give a persona or, you know, what kind of people buy those units or lease the units? Yeah, that's a great, great question. So, you know, we sell to businesses and those businesses go out and service EV owners. And so, you know, we work with everyone from big companies like Allstate. Um, we work with a lot of OEMs, a lot of automotive companies. We work with a lot of on-demand service companies like Spiffy. Um, you know, we really sell to businesses that want to service and help grow the electric vehicle market. Um, so our customers can range anywhere from an on-demand delivery company, um, a utility, a roadside company, an automotive manufacturer, um, you name it, the, the gambit is far and wide. Do you also work with, let's say, apartment complexes? Because I know they have a large challenge about people wanting to own EVs but unable to you know, charge at their apartment. We do. So we, we really work with apartment complexes and our partners work with them as well 
to make sure that, you know, if they have a need for EV charging, they can actually set up services where if they have tenants who have electric vehicles, um, one of our partners can actually come around and charge those cars on site. So this means that the apartment complexes don't need to spend a lot of money in uptake. They don't need to spend a lot of money in putting in poles or chargers into the ground. Um, you can essentially, any parking spot, any parking garage on that property is now essentially a charging station with Boost EV. Um, and we've actually been really focused on getting out and getting in touch with these complexes to open up EV charging to more of their tenants. When you think about the limitations of, you know, hey, I'm going to put a charging spot in this parking spot. Um, the moment you have two cars pull up, now you need more chargers. The moment you have four cars pull up, now you need more chargers. Um, and then you have to really block those parking spots off, right, to make sure that a non-electric vehicle doesn't, you know, park there and take up that charging spot or block that charging spot. Um, with Spark Charge and Boost EV, every every parking spot in the lot is now an EV charger, right? Um, doesn't matter, you know, where it's located. Um, an EV can park anywhere and our partners can charge their car. It sounds great. Now, how long does it take to charge the roadie and can you do it just from a regular outlet? You can do it from a regular outlet, and it was really designed to be that way. Um, you can plug it into a regular outlet, the same outlet that you would charge your phone, charge your laptop on. Um, you can plug it in, recharge it. It takes less than four hours sometimes. It's fantastic. And how much does the unit weigh? Yeah, so the unit uh, weighs roughly, you know, the top half of the unit weighs roughly around 20 pounds. The, the bottom half weighs roughly around 40, 45 pounds. And do you need both those sections or can you just have one of those? You can just, you only, you only carry one at a time. So you would never pick up both. And that's really the beauty of the modularity. Uh, you either pick up the top half and move that, or you pick up the bottom half and move that. You would never pick up both at the same time. You know, I have a couple of friends that have Tesla's and they bought them, I think a couple of years ago and both independently were complaining about taking road trips, like from Dallas to Houston I think from Dallas to Austin, there's a supercharger in Waco, but um, some of the you know prohibitions about being able to travel anywhere outside of town because of the lack of access to charging, which leads me to my next question. Can you share more about Boost EV, how that works in the entire network or platform? Yeah. So Boost EV is really putting the power of the charging station in the palm of your hand. When we think about, you know, the day and age we live in, right, you know, my grocery store lives on my phone with Instacart. My chauffeur lives on my phone with Uber. My pizza delivery guy lives on my phone with Grubhub, right? Now your Boost EV, now your charging station lives on your phone. You can take it out, push a button on your phone and have range delivered anywhere. So you can be at your house and you can say, hey, you know, I really want an additional 50, 100 miles of range. You could be at a coffee shop. Take your phone out, push a button, and have range delivered. You could be shopping. Essentially, anywhere you want to charge your car, you can now charge your car. And we believe that that brings an extraordinary amount of freedom and ease of ownership towards electric vehicles and electric vehicle adoption. If you think about it, you know, if you remove the where, when, and how out of charging your car, then you've really helped improve the market and you've made it easier for people to adopt electric vehicles. Now, is it a partner network? How do you describe these individuals that have these uh, charging units? Yeah, so these individuals, so these would be partners. So we partnered with a lot of big companies. So, you know, you've got big brands like Allstate who are working with us in multiple cities. You've got on-demand delivery services like Spiffy who are operating in multiple cities. 
Um, these partners, these businesses basically go out and charge the car once the EV owner has requested that charge. So if you're an EV owner, you open up your phone, you push, you know, okay, I really want a charge delivered from Spiffy. You push a button and it gets brought to you on the spot. And how do they set pricing? Yeah, so I mean, pricing is pretty affordable. Average price is going to be around 25 bucks. So it's going to be pretty affordable. Um, you know, we really wanted to make it the consumer, you know, feel comfortable with it. So I mean, it's it's about the same as it would cost to order a burrito online, right? So around 25 bucks and you're you're good to go. And when they bring a unit out to the car, how long does it take to charge the car? You said, I think one minute per, sorry, you go ahead and say it. Yeah, one mile every 60 seconds. And so when you boil that down, you know, if, if someone says, hey, I really, you know, I need a quick top off of 25 miles, it's only going to take 25 minutes. If someone said, hey, I really need, you know, a little bit of extra juice, I need about 50 miles, it's only going to take them 50 minutes. Now, appreciate you sharing that. Going back to that aha moment you had in class, you know, what made you take the leap from having that conversation with your professor to actually start in the company? Yeah, I think I've always been really fascinated by the automotive industry. Um, I've always been a car person, and I was a big believer early on in electric vehicles and the potential that they could have to have a positive impact on our planet. And I think when I saw that, you know, there was this limiting factor around, you know, EV adoption and around the infrastructure needed to get EV adoption where it needs to be, I was really intrigued and I started doing research and started learning more about it. And obviously I had really amazing mentors along the way while I was at Syracuse University um, building this startup. And so um, I think it's a it's a factor of, you know, having a passion to do something good and to solve a problem for the world and then having really great mentors that pushed me along um, and helped me solve it. Well, I'm glad you took the leap. And speaking of taking leaps, congratulations on your recent Shark Tank investment. Can you share with the audience what that experience was like and who invested in your company? Yeah. So Shark Tank was definitely a game-changing experience. I mean, being able to be, you know, one of the few um, clean tech, EV-focused companies to actually go on the show and then being able to, you know, close a deal on the show was another really big, um, big accomplishment. We were very fortunate to get Mark Cuban and Lori Grenier as our two sharks and as our two investors. And we're really proud and really you know, excited to be working with them. They've been a tremendous help along the way. So um, being able to go on that show, the, you know, allowing people to see, you know, hey, you know, clean tech, um, electric vehicles on national television, bringing that discussion into millions of households around the country is something that we're really proud of. And what kind of other inbound interest have you seen in the company since that appearance? Yeah, I mean, we saw a lot of inbound um, interest in the company. Um, we saw a really nice sales boost, a lot more partners joining the network, a lot more people inquiring about how they get access to it. Uh, we saw a really huge spike in the number of EV owners signing up to join the platform. So we've done... Um, We've been very fortunate to have a positive uh, response to our episode. Well, congratulations again on that. Thank now, you. You, mentioned manu you mentioned manufacturing earlier on. Can you share where you're doing the manufacturing? Yeah, we're really proud to be doing our manufacturing here in the United States, specifically in Buffalo, New York. Uh, we set up our very own manufacturing facility in Buffalo, New York, where all our units are manufactured. We've got a great team out there that's dedicated and hardworking. I'm sure as a lot of people know, Buffalo and then upstate New York um, were really hit. They're, you know, they're part of the Rust Belt. And so 
there was a lot of activity with people leaving upstate. There's a lot of activity with people um, with job growth kind of being stifled. And we believe that, you know, upstate New York is really a great place and a great opportunity to not only build a business, but also to help grow the economy and help grow upstate New York. And we believe that we're doing a good job of that by setting up manufacturing there, hiring people inside the community and making it a great place to work, but also having great impact as we're building out this company and as we're, as we're doing our jobs. You know, Josh, I really want to commend you on doing that. Um, I think last year during COVID, a lot of companies were revisiting or are revisiting their supply chain and some of the um, reliance on overseas manufacturing, assembly, et cetera. I personally feel like there's going to be a move, if you will, to, you know, nearshoring, onshoring and manufacturers just taking a look and saying, you know, we can afford to bring jobs back here. So again, I really commend you in taking that action. Thank you. Yeah. And it's something we're proud of. I mean, it's something that we, we always get offers all the time about moving the, moving the facility. Why don't you manufacture overseas? And it's just not what we're, it's not our goal, right? We want to keep this unit manufactured here in the United States. Um, and we're proud to have our facility in Buffalo. That's fantastic. So again, you've kind of touched on it briefly, but the crux of our conversation, you know, is the why behind what you do. You mentioned your class, you mentioned the influence, but it still took a lot of courage, a lot of faith to make that leap. So what is your like deep down driving why and what motivates you? What keeps you going? Yeah, I believe, you know, my why was that this was a problem that was going to need to be solved, right? Um, my why was that I believed that by solving this problem, we were going to grow the electric vehicle market at a much faster rate. And I knew that electric vehicles were going to have a positive impact, but I knew that there were a lot of limitations to owning one. And so by solving this problem, I knew there was a problem that was going to be solved for millions of people. Um, and being able to solve it, I felt opened up the door for EV adoption. As we've grown, uh, one of the things that we've realized is that not only was this a problem for EV adoption, but when you think about electric vehicle adoption in terms of, you know, who owns electric vehicles and who are electric vehicles, you know, marketed to, typically they're marketed to, you know, affluent, um, middle to upper class people. That's who, you know, you see driving electric vehicles. And one of the things that we've realized is that there, you know, even if you wanted to own an electric vehicle in, um, a area that, you know, that wasn't upper class, but wasn't uh, middle class as well, but you wanted to own an electric vehicle or at least get into electric vehicles, their opportunity isn't there. If you think about it, if you live, you know, in an apartment complex that doesn't offer EV charging or you live in a neighborhood where EV charging isn't readily available, then you really can't join in on this revolution. You can't take part in it. And so being able to also remove the barriers for uh, neighborhoods, or locations that you know don't have access to charging um, is also something that we've discovered is going to be a big part in the role that we play as well. So being able to, you know, if there's a neighborhood or there's a section of town that doesn't have EV charging, but the residents there want to drive electric vehicles, want to create a better community, then you know now that door is open to them as well. So that's something that we're discovering along this journey that we're proud of. Well, it's a great discovery, Josh. I'm. I appreciate you bringing up the point of access. I'm going to ask you a question, perhaps more on the personal side. You're a young 
African-American men in the world of climate tech. You're you know, a minority amongst minorities. What do you think is one of the ways that we can open more doors for people of color to join this movement? Yeah, I believe it's more about access, right? So I think it's, it's, it's two things. Um, it's access. So one of the things that we've learned is that you really have to go to the source, right? So what are the ways that you can get more people who look like us to join this movement? It's by really going to the source and working with organizations that cater to minorities, right? So a really good example of that, people always tell me all the time, oh, you know, it's so hard to find minority talent. And quite frankly, that's bullshit. Um, you know, there are organizations out there like NSBE, National Society of Black Engineers, where, you know, all they do is facilitate introductions, facilitate really top tier candidates um, in the field of engineering to help get these engineers, these minority engineers um, into companies. Right. And so I think that, number one, it's making making it known to other startups, other organizations that, you know, there are programs out there where you can uh, get in touch with minority um, candidates, right, and bring them into clean tech, bring them into startups. And then I think the flip side of that is when you start doing that, I believe personally that startups have a huge role to play in the communities in which they impact, right? I think the it's very clear to see that if I if I if I open up a startup or if I start a startup in a neighborhood that was previously underserved and underrepresented and I hire in that neighborhood and I deploy capital in that neighborhood and I hire people out of that neighborhood, I can change the face of that neighborhood because now I'm deploying capital and I'm creating jobs in that neighborhood and therefore that neighborhood is going to change. There's going to be more jobs, there's going to be job growth um, and that means that more money will be spent in those neighborhoods. And so I'm a huge proponent that like we startups, companies in general have a huge role to play in reshaping um, neighborhoods, reshaping the way that job growth is seen here in this country. Um, I think it's it's a huge role that we play. Um, and it often goes unnoticed. So I know that that's a, a, a mouthful, but that's kind of like some of my thoughts on that. No, I appreciate it. And I appreciate you calling it as you, as you see it. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think you've kind of proven your point by what you're doing up there in Buffalo. And you mentioned, you know, you're putting dollars into that community and changing, hopefully, the face of that community. And again, I, I applaud you at such a young age for being, you know, so not only forthright, but also seeing the future and being able to, you know, you're, you're putting your money where your mouth is. And I, I, I can't applaud you more. So thank you for, so much for doing that. No problem. I think it's, and I think it's something that I would encourage more people to do, right? Look into how, you know, who, who are you hiring and then what communities are you impacting um, and how are you impacting them? I think it's something that I would encourage more startups to take a hard look at. I agree. So young CEO out of college, self-employed, working for yourself now, what are some of the most valuable lessons that you would say you've learned about yourself on your journey? Um, patience is key. Um, I would say patience and understanding, empathy, um, not only towards your customers, but also towards your employees and your team. But I would say, you know, if there's one lesson that I would give to a, another CEO who's thinking about starting a business, it's, you know, make sure you get the right team around you, right? Um, because that's that's going to dictate your success. That's going to dictate your speed. Getting the right team around you um, is really going to be crucial towards how how successful your startup is. 
And we've, you know, spent years, you know, crafting the right team. And we have an insanely diverse team here. Um, you know, over half of our uh, leaders here are veterans or minorities. And, you know, we've gotten a really good nexus going, but it, it, it didn't happen overnight. So I would say focus on team. Make sure you get the right people around you. And, you know, while you said focus on team, you led with patience and empathy to quote unquote, you know, EQ soft skills, not really metric driven. How do you curate that patience? It happens over time, um, <laughs> to be honest, right? It, it, it happens from just learning, right? I mean, you you learn that, you know, something rushed isn't going to come out as well as something that was planned, right? You learn that having patience and having empathy towards, you know, what's going on around you, what's going on in your community, what's going on with your team is going to better serve your company. Um, and it, it, it's not something you figure out, you know, overnight. It's something that takes time. And um, but but the more you practice it, the better you get at it and the better your company is for it. Couldn't agree more. So you're steering the helm of Spark Charge. Magic wand. It's 2030. What does Spark Charge look like? What have you accomplished? Yeah, 2030 and probably well before that, um, we will probably be um, international in multiple countries. Um, I believe that, you know, charging on demand or being able to have charge delivered to you will be the primary way that people charge their car. Um, it will be the way that people, you know, really look at charging because that's the way that things are now. Almost everything is on demand. Everything is quick. Everything is delivered. Um, and we believe that we're going to pioneer and make it that way for EV charging as well. So um, it's something that we're really excited about. In 2030, we should be way, way, way on our way. Way before 2030, I believe we'll, we'll make it the dominant way that people charge their car. Well, if my research serves me right, I think you're already in England, aren't you? Uh, we, we do. We will have a partner launching in England this year. Well, congratulations on that. Um, going back to the actual device, you mentioned there's a level of intelligence in the device. Can you speak to that for a moment? Uh, so there's a level of intelligence um, where the device uh, will be able to communicate with the platform and the providers, allowing them to really you know, be able to maintain or see uh, what's happening with their device, where it's located. Um, you're really going to be able to get real-time data out of the device and it'll allow our partners to inform better decisions on how they're servicing EV owners. So it'll be a really comprehensive way that partners can understand their business and understand the effectiveness of how they're going about serving electric vehicle owners. Thank you for that. So I'm going to go to my last question now. If you could share some advice or words of wisdom with the audience, and it could be personal or professional or something relating back to your journey, what would it be? Um, it's never too early or too late to start a startup, but I would say, you know, with that in mind, um, you can't have one foot in and one foot out. You need to be both feet in, 10 toes down, committed towards growing your company. Um, I would say my one piece of advice would be just make sure if you're going to start a startup, be dedicated, be passionate, um, and really be focused on solving a problem and making sure that that problem makes this world a better place. Be committed. Great answer. I'm going to ask a question that might not go anywhere, but I'm going to risk it anyway. Are you a fan of superheroes? Of course. I saw a video of yours with um, Iron Man hand, Thor's hammer. Is that in your office? Yes. Yeah, yeah. That was um, the backdrop for the Spark Day 2020. 
it was. So tell me, who's your favorite superhero and why? Ooh, probably Iron Man. Um, love Iron Man. Love Tony. Well, I guess Iron Man is the the name, but Tony Stark. Um, simply because he's someone who um, he's a creator. He's an entrepreneur. Um, he sets out to solve a problem, uh, even though it might not always be the right way. Um, but he is a creator and entrepreneur at heart. Well, it sounds like you've got a little bit of him in you too. And I've really enjoyed speaking with you and I look forward to seeing all the great things you do at Spark Charge and catching up with you again soon. Thank you. Thank you. And um, for you know the people who are listening in on this podcast, um, you know, if you're interested in Boost EV, um, you can use the code uh, Boost EV to get your first charge for free. Oh, before we go, you're starting a podcast too, aren't you? I am. Uh, <laughs> my podcast will be uh, called Founders Only, um, and it'll be interviewing founders um, from across a wide array of different backgrounds, and different companies, and um, first episode should be out in a couple of weeks. So I will put a link to it in the show notes. Again, Josh, I appreciate your time today, and again, look forward to catching up with you again. Same. Take care, brother. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you like our show, please give us a rating and review on iTunes. And you can show your support by sharing our show with a friend or reach out to us on social media where you'll find us under our Nexus PMG handle. If there's a subject or topic you'd like to hear about, send me an email, btu at nexuspmg.com or contact me via our website, nexuspmg.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our monthly newsletter where we share what we're reading and thinking about in the clean tech green tech sectors. Bigger Than Us is a Nexus PMG production.